Good morning. Good morning, church. Good morning to all of you. So good to see all of us here gathered on a Sunday morning to worship and praise God together. Greetings to those who are online. Thank you for joining us. And those of you in the cry room, I see you. You're not forgotten, even though you are behind. And I know that there are parents up there as well. So uh, shalom to all of you. And uh, you know, so glad to be able to bring the Word of God uh, to all of us this morning. So, you know, we are really near the end of February. Can you believe it? It's so fast, right? Time just flies by this year. Uh, And I think perhaps it's because this year has been such an action-packed year, isn't it? You know, we started off this year with our Meet God campaign. Remember, we were praying and fasting. And then we had all the CNY, you know, festivities, the Ang Pao's and the visitations. And then last week, we had our missions convention. Um, But there was also another important occasion which we celebrated, and that was about two weeks ago. I don't know how many of you remember. Two weeks ago, we celebrated Valentine's Day, right? Wow. I don't know how how many of you celebrate Valentine's Day. Oh, nobody, yeah. So sad. Okay, I know, right? It's, it's a bit commercialized, you know? Sometimes people say it's a bit cliche, right? To celebrate Valentine's Day is for teenagers or whatever. Um, but, you know, it, it's after being married for so many years, right? Sometimes we feel that, I, uh, you know, what for you to celebrate Valentine's Day? And honestly, my wife and I, we don't really see it as a need as well to celebrate it every single year. Uh, but somehow, you know, uh, this year, I felt like we should do something. Okay, and uh, so, so I, I decided to push away all my appointments for that day and uh, just to make, make time for, for me and my wife to get together. And I remember that day. It was a long and tiring day for us, you know, at work and all. Uh, and we were, we were just really exhausted. But I still managed to find time to, to, to pick a card, uh, write a little Valentine's Day card, uh, for her, I just told her, you know, how much I cherish her. And then we went for a simple dinner at uh, Swenson's, right? Simple, everybody can afford that, Swenson's. Um, so it was this little act that we did, and we actually wanted to show each other that we treasured our marriage covenant, right? And so simple things, we held hands, we talked, uh, and, and, and guess what? I opened the car door for her. <laughs> I don't do that enough. <laughs> but I do that sometimes, but on that day, I made sure I did it. Okay? So these are the little things that we do, right? Uh, that actually tell each other we cherish our marriage covenant. So if this marriage is precious to me, you will know that my actions will show it, right? Uh, if it's not important to me, I will not make time for my wife, you know, uh, uh, she'll be easily replaced by many other things. We're all so busy. And I might even allow a third party to come and to ruin this marriage. And so in today's message, we are going to shift our attention away from Joshua and look at three other characters who demonstrated with their actions how much they valued or how they saw their relationship, their covenant relationship with God. And one of them treasured that relationship, one despised it, and one actually was half-hearted 
about it. And so the title for today's message is Honour God's Covenant. And the big idea for us is God wants us to treasure His covenant with us. Those of you who are online, type the word treasure into the chat. And those of you on site here, tell your neighbour, treasure. Alright, the first character that we're going to look into is this lady called Rahab. And she treasured God's covenant. So from Sermon 1 taken from Joshua chapter 1, Joshua was commissioned by God to take the promised land and all the Israelites pledged to follow his leadership, if you remember that in Sermon 1. And then Joshua sent two spies into Jericho to collect intelligence before the battle itself. And somehow they came to the house of this lady called Rahab. And she was a prostitute. And when they came, the king of Jericho actually heard news about it and he sent men to question her about the two spies. And look at what it says in Joshua 2, verse 4 to 5. It says, But the woman who had taken the two men and hidden them, she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. So she basically misled the men sent by the king of Jericho and sent them off in the wrong direction, right? And so, in this juncture, the common question that many people ask, right, is, was lying to save the spies acceptable? Right? It's an ethical dilemma. Was lying to save the spies acceptable? If it is acceptable, then we too, we can lie uh, if the end actually justifies the means. But that is a dangerous path to go down. But if it is not acceptable, why did God allow her to be spared and even commended in other parts of Scripture? And so there can be a lot to be said, right, about this ethical dilemma. But let me try to give a quick response here, all right? Because ultimately, ultimately, it boils down to how God saw her believing loyalty and considered that righteousness. That was righteousness to the Lord. You see, believing loyalty is trust in Yahweh and a corresponding expression of allegiance to Him. It's trust in Yahweh and an expression of allegiance to God. It is to choose God's side. You see in chapter 2, verse 8 to 11, how Rahab expressed that believing loyalty. In in verse 8, it says, Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Verse 10, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you, before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites uh, who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And verse 11, And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. And take note of this statement, For the Lord your God He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. 
You see, Yahweh is the word for the Lord here in this verse. It's the word Yahweh. And Yahweh was the name used in the Old Testament to identify the God of Israel, the true God. Okay, that is his name. Just as Baal or Asherah, they were the personal names of the Canaanite gods. And also Madok or Ishtar, they were the personal names of Babylonian gods. So in the same way, Yahweh is the personal name of the God of Israel. Thus, when Rahab stated that Yahweh your God is God, she was stating that Baal, Asherah and the rest, they were not true gods at all. Because through the phrase that she said, you know, in the heavens above and on the earth beneath, it affirms her right belief in Yahweh's exclusive claims to sovereignty. So she believed that Yahweh is sovereign and she chose to be on his side. And this account actually stressed the deception not to condemn her, but to highlight her courage as she took a huge personal risk for Israel. And you know, right, it was treason. It's treason that she committed against the king of Jericho and she and her whole family could have been executed for that very act. Therefore, it really it highlighted her courage. And she also demonstrated believing loyalty by tying the scarlet cord in the window to which she let the spies down. Okay? She was instructed to do that by the spies. And that is to indicate to the Israelite army that she should be spared. So she did express believing loyalty. Although she wasn't an Israelite, she sought to enter God's covenant because she treasured it. She treasured that relationship with God, even to the point of risking her life for Yahweh's purposes. You see, God knows the heart of all people. And He saw that Rahab feared Yahweh more than her people, more than she feared the gods that her people worshipped. She feared Yahweh. And her priority at that moment was to save the spies. And that was done out of the fear of Yahweh. And therefore, her imperfect expressions of believing loyalty, that was her lies and deception, her imperfect expressions of believing loyalty could be forgiven. And therefore, in such a situation, when we look at it and we evaluate, it's best not to excuse her actions, but also not to be troubled by them because she did it out of the fear of the Lord. Alright? So now, let's look at the result of her actions. You know, after what was the result of what she did there that day? You see, she and her whole family were the only survivors in the entire city of Jericho. That's amazing. She, they were the only survivors left. We see in chapter 6, verse 25. Verse 25 says, But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day, to the day that this was written, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And not only was her family saved, it's amazing that she left a legacy of faith when she was commended in the New Testament Hall of Faith. Do you remember in Hebrews chapter 11, 
uh, verse 31. It says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, she was not killed with those who were disobedient. She, so she was commended in the New Testament. And such faith was credited as righteousness to her. Very explicitly in James chapter 2, verse 25, it says, Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? And not only that, she was even included in the genealogy of Jesus Christ found in Matthew 1, verse 5. So, you know, Great blessings lie in store for those who treasure God's covenant. Say with me one more time, treasure. Treasure. Let's treasure God's covenant. So Rahab desired and treasured a covenant with God. Now the second character we will look at today is one who despised his privileged position of being a part of God's chosen people. And his name is Ahan, okay? So this name here uh, have uh, many different pronunciations uh, we have heard. I think the Americans will pronounce it Aiken. Wow, very, very refined, Aiken. Uh, Cantonese will say Achan, <laughs> right? Okay, but uh, I, I, think, I think the right Hebrew pronunciation is Ahan, okay? Uh, forgive me if I don't pronounce it properly the whole sermon because good, uh, good. <laughs> because uh, I may get a sore throat after that uh, if I keep repeating that. Okay. So it's this person called Ahan and he despised God's covenant. We learned last week about the concept of harem, another one of those words. Okay. Uh, it was a concept of the holy war against the descendants of the Nephilim. And they were to be totally eradicated and destroyed, right? Remember that, this concept? And what about the items that were found among the conquered people? The items, what do you do with the items? You see in chapter 6, verse 18 to 19, they were very clearly instructed. It says in verse 18, But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. Verse 19, But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So they were not supposed to keep in their own possession any of the treasure that they found. Right? They were supposed to deposit them in the temple treasury. But as it turned out, Ahan took some of the valuable items and kept them for himself. And we see that in chapter 7 of Joshua, verse 20 to 21. Let's take a look. It says, And Ahan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. Then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. And you know, because of his action, Israel suffered a defeat when they fought against the city of Ai. Right? It should have been an easy victory for them, you know, because they, were, they outnumbered the enemy. But because God was not with them, 36 Israelites died, 
and they lost the battle. They lost. And subsequently, God led Joshua to the culprit, right? Out of the whole entire nation, this one person God led, to, God led Joshua to. He narrowed down the search from tribe to clan to family and then down to the individual, this person called Ahan. Knowing that he couldn't deny it any longer, he confessed his sin and he and his entire family, they were stoned to death. They were harem. They were destroyed. So what went wrong with Ahan? What went wrong with this person? You see, he despised his covenant relationship with Yahweh. He despised it. He disregarded God's commands and treated God with contempt. And there was no fear of God in his heart. That was contrasted against Rahab, remember, who feared God. Because what Ahan wanted was wealth and possessions. And he admitted it. He covered it. And he, he, you know, he took what he should not have taken. And when he saw that that beautiful cloak, wow, exquisite design. He saw those uh, shackles, 200 shackles of silver. They were glittering in the sun, calling out to him. And the 50 shackles of gold. All these captivated his heart and caused him to make the worst decision in his life. And these things, they were worth more to him than his covenant relationship with Yahweh. Think about that. He was a fool, isn't he? He was a fool. He provoked God and suffered his wrath. And not only that, he, uh, he affected the entire nation and causing his fellow people to die because of him. He was selfish and he was a fool. He was a fool because he didn't see that his covenant relationship with Yahweh was worth infinitely more than any amount of silver and gold. Can I hear an amen? His relationship with Yahweh was worth infinitely more than any of those. And we saw, we remember that Rahab was the opposite. She cherished that relationship. So here, we have studied two characters. Rahab treasured it. Ahan despised it. And now the third character, the Gibeonites, they were half-hearted about it. Let's take a look at um, this, this, uh, group of this group of people. You see, Gibeon was a city not far from Ai, about five miles northwest of Jerusalem. After Joshua's army destroyed Ai, the Gibeonites knew they would be next and that they didn't stand a chance against Israel. And so they devised a scheme to trick Israel into entering a treaty with them so that they would not be destroyed. Let's look at Joshua 9, verse 4 to 6. It says, They on their part acted with cunning and went and made ready provisions and took worn-out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins, worn-out and torn and mended, with worn-out patched sandals on their feet and worn-out clothes. And all their provisions were dry and crumbly. Verse 6, And they went to Joshua in the camp, of Gilgal, camp at Gilgal and said to them, said, said, said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country, so now make a covenant with us. 
So they did this because they knew that if Israel saw that they were from a neighboring country, they would never make a treaty with them, right? It makes sense. If they were nearby, they would not make a treaty with them. They were supposed to destroy them. But if they came from a distant country, then Israel would have no interest in conquering them and would make peace with them. That's why they did it. And because Israel did not seek the Lord, they were tricked by them. You see in verse 14 and 15, chapter 9, verse 14 and 15 says, So the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore to them. But as you read the account later, it says three days later, right, the Israelites heard that they lived just next to them. They discovered the truth. And then Joshua confronted the Gibeonites in verses 22 and 23. He said to them, Why did you deceive us, saying, We are very far from you when you dwell among us? Now therefore you are cursed. And some of you shall never be anything but servants, cutters of wood, and drawers of water for the house of my God. See, now Joshua had to honour the covenant he made with them. Okay, it, is, it sounds surprising, but he had to. Although the oath was taken based on the false presentation of facts by the Gibeonites. The oath had been sworn by the Lord, the God of Israel. It's very clearly stated that there in 9 verse 18 that it's as if the Lord himself swore to the Gibeonites. And therefore, that oath could not be broken. So although they were not destroyed, they were still cursed and effectively reduced to a life of slavery. It was similar to those who surrendered to Israel as recorded in other parts of Scripture. Now, the problem with the Gibeonites was that they were half-hearted about the covenant. The Gibeonites only sought to associate themselves with Yahweh because they, they wanted self-preservation and for self-interest. That's the only reason why they came to Israel. They didn't fully commit themselves to Yahweh. They were half-hearted. And so they did not express believing loyalty to Yahweh and hence they did not enter a covenant relationship with Him at this point in time. Listen to what they said in verse 24, 9, chapter 9, verse 24. They answered Joshua, Your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded His servant Moses to give you the whole land and to wipe out all His inhabitants from before you. So we feared for our lives because of you. And that is why we did this. They feared for their lives and that drove them to seek a treaty with Israel. But they were never fully submitted to a covenant relationship with Yahweh. And so that is the third group of characters, uh, third character in these three stories, right? So as we look at these three stories, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us? I have two simple applications for all of us today. Simple but so necessary for all of us to remember and to take home today. The first one, enter a covenant relationship with God. Enter that covenant relationship with God. You see, Rahab was not an Israelite. She was not the chosen people of Yahweh. And she knew that she was not included in that covenant 
with Yahweh. She knew. But she recognized that Yahweh was the one true God. And so she sought to enter that covenant relationship with Yahweh. And so, friends, I have good news for those of you who want to enter into a relationship with God, with the one true God, your Creator. And, you know, for those of you who want to, you, you, this is good news for you because, you know, we were all once excluded from that relationship with God because of our sin. We had sinned and that sin separated us from God. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came and made a way so that we can get into that covenant relationship with God. And so even if you feel far away from God, like Rahab, like the Gibeonites, the good news for you today is that you can know this one true God, the God of heaven and earth, the Almighty God. And all you need is believing loyalty in God just like Rahab demonstrated. Believing loyalty means to believe and embrace God's offer of forgiveness through Jesus Christ, turn from all other gods and follow God's ways wholeheartedly. That is believing loyalty. So do not be like the Gibeonites. Don't be like them who didn't fully commit themselves to Yahweh. They were half-hearted about it, remember? They merely wanted to avoid destruction by associating themselves with Yahweh. So some of us think that Christianity is merely a ticket to heaven. And some of us, because of this idea, we do the bare minimum to choke a place in heaven. Right? We put the tissue paper there. We have to chop a place in heaven. But that is a misunderstanding, a, a misunderstanding of what Christianity is all about. Now, you could be attending church services faithfully, religiously. You could be saying your grace before your meals. And perhaps you could be even opening your Bible to read it once in a while. But the question is, do you have a relationship with God? And are you fully committed to following God's ways? Or are, are we half-hearted about it? So as we think about that question, I want to, you know, just lovingly warn all of us that if our attitude is that this is just a ticket to heaven, it is possible it is possible that you are actually not in a covenant relationship with God. If that is your attitude, to just do the bare minimum just to reserve a place in heaven. Because a true Christian, right, is a follower of Jesus Christ. And that means not only to believe that Jesus is the Savior, but also fully commit, fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian. And so, if that is your desire, you want to seek that relationship with God, you want to enter that covenant with God, I'll give you an opportunity to do that at the end of this message. 
You prepare your hearts. And you say, God, I want to enter into that covenant relationship with you. And I will not be half-hearted about it anymore. I will, do, I will give all to you. Amen. Amen. So don't miss this opportunity because you can become a child of God today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so the second application for all of us is for those who already have a relationship with God. And that word for you, the word of God here urges us to cherish that relationship with God. Cherish it with all of your heart, with all of your strength and with everything that you have. Cherish it. You see, Ahan, he despised that relationship. He did not um, fully commit himself, right, into to following, you know, in, into that relationship. He did not cherish it with all of his heart. And he cared more about wealth and possessions. But gracious, let's be reminded that our relationship with God is worth infinitely more than any amount of silver and gold and, and pleasures that this world can offer. Do not be deceived by them because your relationship with God is the most precious thing to, that you have with you. Cherish it with all of your heart, even if it means putting yourself in danger like Rahab did, or if it means being mocked by your friends or relatives, or if it means having less money in the bank account, or whatever personal sacrifice that you have to make. Cherish your relationship with God. And how do you do that? How do you show that you cherish I shared the story earlier about, you know, Valentine's Day. For me, to, to cherish a marriage is simply to write a little card, you know, to hold hands, to open car door, small actions like that. In the same way, in your relationship with God, take small, sincere, sincere actions because you don't want it to do it in a religious way or a legalistic way but just something from your heart, sincere actions consistently, right? Regularly, repeatedly that you do that will say that, God, I cherish my relationship with you. I, I recently heard a very interesting uh, story uh, of this Gratian who attends one of the grace groups in uh, the region, in, in one of the grace groups that I, I, I lead and I'm taking, care, I'm taking care of. And this brother shared very candidly. You remember at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Uh, all services were all online, right? And so this brother, he shared that at the beginning, he, you know, on Sunday morning, he would wake up early, prepare a nice cup of coffee, sit in his living room in front of the TV and get ready for the service to start. And so it went on for a while, but soon he moved that into the bedroom. Wow. He has a TV in his bedroom. And so all he needed to do, right, was 9 o'clock sharp, wake up, sit up on his bed, and he can watch the service. All right? But guess what? Maybe some of you can relate to that. Soon, he was watching the service, but lying down <laughs> under the nice cozy blanket, right? And drifting in and out of sleep as the service continued. <laughs> some of you online right now, maybe you can relate to it. I don't know. 
But that was what happened to him, all right? And so when it happened and it dragged on for a while, he knew that it was detrimental to his relationship with God. And because he cherished his relationship with God, the moment services started to come on site, even though there were all these restrictions, he knew he had to make the extra effort to get out of bed, wake up early, get out of his house, and come to Grace at Tangling Level 3 Battle Hall. All right? <laughs> to attend and to be engaged in the service fully. And so that was what he did from then on. Week after week, he would be here. And he did that. Small, simple, sincere and consistent actions that helped to strengthen and build his relationship with God. And you know what? He took it one step further. When I approached him to serve uh, in the, as a traffic marshal, he didn't hesitate. He said, yes, pastor, I will do it. And so now, once a month, you will see him at basement tree, sweating it out, directing the traffic. Some of you will know. He will be there once a month, all right? And he will be doing that with a big smile on his face. Gracious, that is how with small actions we show. And we, we are telling God, God, I cherish my relationship with you. That's why I do it. Some of us, we need to put our phones away and take that time to spend in the presence of God every night, perhaps. For some of us, we need to be quick to repent from our sins when we know we have disobeyed God. That is how we cherish our relationship with God. And so, Gracious and friends, I want to ask you this question. What is that one simple, sincere, and consistent thing that you need to do that tells God, God, I cherish my relationship with you. What is that one small thing that we all can do? What is that one small thing and I believe that the Lord is calling us to a response this morning. After hearing all that, I just want to address two groups of people. If you will just bow your heads with me. I want to call two groups of people to come and respond to the Lord this morning. The first group, and you are the believers, you know, you have a relationship with God. I want to ask you, how much do you value your relationship with God? How much is it worth to you? Is it inf worth infinitely more than silver and gold and all the pleasures of this life? How much is it worth to you? I want to, ch to challenge you to cherish that relationship with God with all that you have, all your strength. And today you say, yes, I want to take that one small action consistently, sincerely so that I can strengthen and build my relationship with, with God. If that is you, respond to the Lord by raising your hand right now all over this place. Raise your hand and say, yes, God, I cherish my relationship with you. Yes, I see hands going up all over the place. Continue, keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised to the Lord. Yes, more of you need to respond to this right now and say, yes, God, I can take that one small step. One small step. 
No, there's nothing wrong with watching service online. But what is that one small step that we can take to get connected to a community? What is that one small step we can take to serve somewhere in the ministry? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you for each one responding to, to, to this call right now. Lord, I ask of you to help each one of us to know what is that step that we can take that will strengthen and to build our relationship with you stronger. Father, help us, Lord. Help us to cherish you more than anything that this world can offer. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And now the second group of you that I want to address today, and this is important because this is the group that you do not yet have a relationship with God. You know that this Yahweh God is the one true God, but you don't have a relationship with Him yet. It's an open invitation for anyone, even if you feel far away from God today. You can enter into that relationship simply by trusting Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and commit fully to following Him. And those of you who have been half-hearted about your relationship with Christ, those of you who, who treat Christianity as just a ticket to heaven, this call is for you as well. And if that's you, you say, I want to enter into a covenant relationship with God today. I want you to raise your hand to the Lord and respond to Him right now. This is your chance. Thank you for the hand. This is your chance to say, God, I want, I know that you are real and I want to have a relationship with you. I don't want to be half-hearted about it anymore. I'm fully in, oh God. Thank you for the hand. Are there any others of you? The Lord is waiting on you to respond to Him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you for the hand. I see that behind. Thank you. For those of you who raise your hand for this second call, I want you to repeat a prayer after me. And for those of us here, all of us believers, let's also repeat this prayer just in encouragement to the two or three you know, or more perhaps out there who wants to enter into a covenant relationship with Christ. Just say this prayer after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I recognize that you are the true God. And I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord today. I want to enter into a covenant relationship with you today. Thank you that I can be your child. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can I just invite all of us to stand right now? And I think that it's good for us to respond Come to the altar and let us pray with you. Let us pray for you that this can be a very tangible step that you take 
to respond to God to say, I cherish my relationship with you. And so I want to invite you as we sing this next song, those of you who raise your hands, be it the first call or the second call, come to the altar and let us pray with you. And as we declare here that Jesus is the beautiful Saviour, let us respond to Him in our own ways. Jesus, Thank you, Lord. Beautiful Saviour, God of all majesty. You're the God of all. King. Yes, you're the Lamb of God. Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. Holy and righteous. Blessed Redeemer. Bright morning star. On the